This morning, um, we're going to talk about really what the key is to thriving in the Christian life. And so, um, uh, two weeks ago, Greg Miller covered the subject of uh, thrive as, as far as being a steward of our time. And last week, Pat Sokol talked about how we can thrive when we honor God and are stewards of our treasure. Next week, we're going to talk about being stewards of our talents. But today, we're going to look at the key what the key is to thriving. So let's go ahead and pray, and then we're going to jump into a few verses on this subject here. Thanks again for joining us, and if you're new with us, I just encourage you to sit back, enjoy yourself, get a refill if you need to, and if you've been a part of this series, welcome back. And anyways, let's pray and ask that God would just meet us here. Lord Jesus, we do just look to you this morning. Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear from you, each one of us. I pray that through your spirit and through your words that we're going to look at, that you would speak to us, that you would move us, you would motivate us, you'd um, cause us to come in line with whatever it is you want us to do in response to this. And Lord, we just ask that you would make your presence known here this morning. We ask you to be glorified. We ask you to lead us as a church that that does more than just survive, that we do thrive, Lord. And we look to you for all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Um, well, we, uh, looked up a definition for thrive here, just in case you uh, are curious what that means. Webster Marion puts it like this, to, to grow or develop successfully, to flourish or succeed. Some synonyms for thrive are flourish, Prosper, burgeon, that doesn't sound like a good thing, bloom, blossom, mushroom, do well, advance, succeed. You know, this Thrive campaign is really um, an overflow of us trying to carry out our mission as a church. We're in the process of launching two locations and, you know, in some ways, uh, we kicked off our Thrive campaign officially at a luncheon event last week, and I'm going to give you some of the cliff notes of that, and you can look at the messages from that and the leadership time online. But, um, you know, in some ways as a church, we have been seeing God do a lot of cool things and seeing people reached with the gospel and people get baptized. And um, yet in other ways, as a church, we've been just kind of, uh, in some ways, trying to survive. Financially, things have been tighter than they've been in a while. And, um, you know, just trying to keep afloat seems like a good thing at some, some times. And yet we feel like... Uh, God has a plan for us, and he has a mission he wants us to carry out. And in order to do that, we believe he's led us into this Thrive campaign. And, and it has to do with um, a faith venture. And we're going to talk about uh, some of the ways we can express faith this morning related to this. So, um, again, like that song mentioned there, I think God wants us as a church to more than just survive. He wants us to thrive. And I've got the clicker here. And really the key to that, and you've got a handout here. Hopefully you can fill out some blanks as we go. Whoop, whoop, sorry. Got to back that one up. I don't know if I could skip to the first points here without. I surrender. <laughs> you want to scoot it? There we go. You know, really the key, the, the cornerstone verse of this Thrive campaign comes from Psalm 52, verse 8. The New Living Translation puts it like this. It says, but I 
am like an olive tree thriving in the house of God. I will always trust in God's unfailing love. The idea of thriving, at least as it relates to this verse, comes from the key to that is, is faith. It's trusting God in order to thrive. And you know, that's not only the key to thriving like an olive tree or thriving as a church. That's the key to unlocking the supernatural Christian life that, that Jesus gave us or, or came for. Jesus said this, he said, I, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Uh, other places, we can see how faith is tied into the Christian life. Like uh, the Apostle Paul puts it like this in Galatians 2.20. He says, My old self was, has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Another place in Galatians, it says, The righteous will live by faith. Live, meaning live life, life to the fullest like God has for us. Another place uh, in Galatians, it says this, they're talking about, do I need to obey this Old Testament law or that one? Does it matter if I do this or don't do that? Do I get circumcised or do it not? And he goes on just to say this, you know, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And so faith is the key to the abundant Christian life that Jesus called us to. Faith is the key to thriving as a disciple of his. And so this morning we're going to look at um, really three different ways that we can express faith. Not only through this Thrive campaign, but in life, life in general, every day. There's these three ways. It's not the only three ways, but there are three ways that I want to bring to your attention here this morning. And um, since it is football season... We're going to have the opportunity to look at these three different ways of faith, kind of related to football. Um, some of you, if you're a football fan, you might know the answer to this question, but what are the three areas of a football game that a team needs to be strong in in order to be a successful football team? Three areas. Anyone know them? Offense. And special teams. Offense, defense, and special teams. So we're going to take a look a little bit. How that maybe could relate to the Christian life here. Offense, defense, and special teams. For those of you who like football, you might enjoy this. For those of you who don't, bear with us. Um, the reality is the truths that we're going to look at actually transcend football. They actually were uh, given to us long before American football or football otherwise was invented. So hopefully you can pull something out of it here. But first we're going to look at uh, our faith, opportunities to express faith as it relates to offense. You might, your blank there would be, offense is, is faith expressed on mission. We've been given a mission. We've been given opportunities to express faith. A couple verses on that. See if these don't relate to offense. This is the final set of commands Jesus gave us. It's the mission of our church, the great commission. Come from some of these verses here. Like Mark 16, 15 says, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Go, be proactive, get out there, take this to all the world. Another verse here we have, um, Matthew 28, 19. Many of you would know, Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. But go, we've got to get out there. Acts 1.8, you might know the verse that we are to be witnesses uh, in Jerusalem, all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's very 
on the offense is what our mission is supposed to be about here. You know, our, our mission statement as a church we've been talking to you about the last couple of weeks is we believe God has called us as the Firehouse Church, the way to express the Great Commission personally here or uniquely as the Firehouse is to reach the world with Jesus starting here. To reach the world. It's very clear that God wants us to reach everyone, everywhere. To reach the world with Jesus relates, uh, it's multifaceted, it relates to these verses here. Reach the world with the good news about Jesus. Reach the world as disciples representing Jesus. That verse even goes on to say, by the way, I'm with you always. We're to reach the world with the presence and the power of Jesus. That's our mission, to reach the world with Jesus starting right here in our own heart, in our own lives, in our own church, in our own spheres of influence that God has given us. And again, we believe God has put this campaign in front of us to help enable us to carry out our mission. Um, You know, I was struck by a a verse just reading in in the one-year Bible yesterday. It reminded me of our mission. It was a verse out of Isaiah 49, verse 25. It reads like this in in the New American Standard. But it said, Even the captives of the mighty men will be taken away. The prey of the tyrant will be rescued. For I will contend with the one who contends with you, and I will save your sons. Uh, The New Living says a couple of those words, that the captives will be released, the plunder of tyrants will be retrieved. You know, and and this was a passage that Jesus actually spoke about in the New Testament. There was a point where he was uh, removing demons from people, and they said, how can he remove demons from people? Maybe he's on the side of the demons, and he went on to say, no, you know, you can't do this unless... The strong man is bound, and then you can take his plunder. And he was saying, you know, unless I have power greater than the enemy here, uh, I wouldn't be able to take his plunder. I wouldn't be able to set people free from demons. But the strong man has been bound. He was quoting from Isaiah 49. The strong man. And uh, in in that passage again, the captives of the mighty man will be taken away. The prey of the tyrant will be rescued. You know, brothers and sisters, we've been given a rescue mission. One of our driving verses here at the Firehouse Church is Jude, chapter 1, verse 23. But it says to save others, snatching them from the flames. We are to be proactive in carrying out our mission. The devil has has souls that are his plunder. He has people that he has preyed upon, tempting them into sin and then holding them into bondage related to that sin, eventually leading to eternal death like he has been banished to. And he wants to take as many people with him as possible. And our mission is a rescue mission to go and retrieve, to go and rescue people with the good news about Jesus Christ. And, and it's a very serious deal. I had a phone call this week. A woman called me and she's called our church a couple times asking questions about heaven and hell and blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And we were talking and she just said, she told me, you know, I had a dream that I was going to hell. She said, why would God give me a dream that I'm going to hell if, if he wants to save me? And if, if I'm supposed to turn to Jesus, why would he tell me I'm going to hell? And we were talking about, you know, blas- one who blasphemes is one who resists the work of the Holy Spirit their entire life without ever turning to Jesus. That's the only way you can be found unforgiven is to have not turned to Jesus for forgiveness. And we just talked through it. I said, you know, Not all dreams come from God. I would not be surprised if the dream that you had came from the devil of hell. 
A dream that he wants you to be convinced that you are banished to hell, that you have to go to hell, that there is no hope for you. You've done something too bad. I said, I think that is a lie from the devil of hell. And you need to know that you can turn to Jesus. You can turn to Jesus right now, today. And we talked a little more about it. And it seemed like though she's been wrestling with it in her heart, there was faith. She wanted to believe that. She just was deceived in thinking maybe it wasn't for her. And she ended up, by the time we were done, she prayed on the phone with me to invite Jesus into her heart as her Lord and Savior. And I encouraged her to go, go tell your family. There have been people that were reaching out to her. Go tell them you gave your life to Jesus today. There's a battle going on for the souls of men and women. And, and we need to have faith to be able to ask those tough questions. How sure are you that if you died tonight, you'd go to heaven? It's a tough question. There's no easy way to ask it. But when you ask it in love and, and with courage... It opens the door to other things. It opens the door to the good news about Jesus Christ and how you can know for sure you have eternal life. And, and we need courage on mission, guys. You know, I think about the heart of this Thrive campaign. We need to raise funds in order to carry out our mission. But you know what? We could have all the money in the world. And if people like you and I aren't stepping out in faith to ask questions about where someone's going to go when they die and what are they trusting related to eternal life? And, and would they like to personally open their life to Jesus Christ? If you and I aren't asking those questions, it doesn't matter how much money comes in. We need to be men and women who are on the offense with faith on this mission. And there's many opportunities. have been so encouraged by the turnout at the discipleship group where we're learning to share our faith more effectively. And I encourage you to keep doing that. And whether you're auditing it or you're, you're taking the class for it to graduate it, there's skills you can come away with. I know we've had opportunities. I had opportunities this last week just to ask the diagnostic questions and just to use things from that class in conversations. And I know the gospel went out several times this week because of people, you know, related to that class and, the, and carrying out our mission. And I, I hope you would be looking for ways to step out in faith, to unlock the thriving Christian life. There's no way to have life to abundantly like Jesus promised if you're not stepping out in faith related to this mission. We've got to do that. Now, the, the other part we're going to talk about, that's on faith on the offense. The next thing, you know, again, it's going to take faith. We've talked about this before, helping people to believe in Jesus and helping those who believe to become disciples of Jesus and talking to them about baptism and talking to them about habits of a disciple. It's going to take faith to help them get ownership of the mission themselves that they're obeying their Savior, their Lord. And it's going to take a lot of faith and courage here, guys. But, um, you know, the other thing we need to realize is we've got to have faith as it relates to defense here. Again, as it relates to football, I thought we'd watch this. Some of you might have seen this commercial here recently. It's, it's football. It's very, very serious. And uh, I'm going to hit the lights and hit the video here if you don't mind. Hey, honey. You did it again. What? Uh, yeah, where's the fence? The fence is missing? What? Where is it? Baby, I had to. The fence worked great last week. We got on the Jumbotron. Let's go. Just bring it back. We're good. Let's go. How much do we love football? Go Cardinals. You have no idea. Hyundai is now an official sponsor of the NFL. All right. Honey, where's the fence? What? I don't know. I've never done that before. No, I haven't done that before. But it's a funny commercial. I share that. It relates to football. It relates to defense. It's lighthearted. 
we're going to go to a point that's a little more serious. I thought we ought to start at a fun place there. But I love that response. I think it comes from, doesn't it come from the, one of the Despicable Me movies where the, one of the minions is like, oh, your cousin did that. He said, what? I, I think that's part of where this trend is coming from. But anyways, faith expressed for defense here. It's faith for protection. You know, um, we've, we've been in the process. When you, you and I step into our mission and we start asking questions, tough questions, and we start looking for opportunities to share about Jesus and a saving faith, you know what? Um, somebody's not happy about that. You know, the tyrant who has plunder and has prey in his possession he's not happy about that they say sometimes one of the first people to wake up in a revival is the devil he doesn't want to see people snatch from him he wants to at the end of the game at the end of everything he wants to kind of mock god and say i, I took all these rebels with me and uh he want he, he does not like when people are taken from him and turned to, to god's rescue plan in jesus and so uh, i was talking recently here greg miller and i were just talking about um in the last several weeks, you know, uh, it's amazing how many different things, uh, trials have come to light here. Um, you know, uh, I was thinking about about six weeks ago, we, we started launching into this series or that we're going to go there and Greg uh, decides he wants to sever his artery and try to pull his finger off there at Chick-fil-A. And uh, a couple weeks after that, I find out my retina has detached and uh, doesn't want to provide vision for my eye here. I have to go through surgery. Um, there's other relational challenges. As pastors, we're aware of different things where we go, oh man, funny that that would happen this week. Not like last week or six months ago, this week. Uh, I know there's different things. I think about a car accident. Coleman's last week, we, we totaled a car, right? Or we, you guys totaled a car, right? Something along that lines. Uh, another family here, I think about the day we're coming together for a leadership thing related to the Thrive campaign. One of the kids knocks, cracks, where are they at here? Where's those Davises at? We lose two front teeth. We crack two front teeth off. We don't lose the teeth. I think they salvaged them. And coughing up blood, have to take another kid to the doctor. We're driving to the Thrive leadership campaign thing on I-25 in traffic and, and our vehicle dies. That's pretty cool. Um, but there's a lot of trials going on. And you know what, guys? I, I think we need to make sure we're not unaware. When you and I start stepping out in faith, when we get on the offense, you had better get ready for some defense. And the key to that is faith as well. A couple verses here. Ephesians 6, we're, we're told, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Goes on later to say this. He said, uh, in addition to all this, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil, of the evil one. You know, we need to be applying faith on defense here as well, guys. You know, we're doing this campaign to advance the kingdom of God, to get the gospel out so people, souls will be saved, lives will be transformed. We've called it Thrive, the Thrive Campaign. You know, Pat Sokol, who talked here last Sunday, they started a campaign, I think he said it's about the 10th campaign in his life that he's been a part of spearheading, that it's gone very well and accomplished their goals. They're doing a campaign in Loveland right now. They named it a little differently than we did. We had to chuckle when he told us. The name of their campaign is something like this um, we're in a war you know 
That's the name of their campaign. We're in a war, you know, and therefore we need to do certain things that you got to do during a war. Certain sacrifices, certain people pitching in because there's a war going on out there. And it's a fun title, but uh, we chose Thrive. But the reality is Thrive is set in a battlefield. We're in a war, brothers and sisters. There's a war going on out there for the souls of men and women. Forces of good versus the forces of evil. And the devil does not want any one of you stepping out in faith. And he's going to do whatever he can. You know, it says he sends uh, flaming arrows at us. You know, maybe those are accusations. Maybe those are trials. Maybe those are temptations. We don't know. I know that any situation that happens, he would love to use to discourage you and me. Um, And we must not be unaware. And we must have a shield of faith. And I want to share one promise with you that... I've claimed over the years time and time again, and it is an amazing promise that I have seen God do great things, and it's this one, Psalm 31, 19. And it says this of God, it says, How great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you bestow in the sight of men on those who take refuge in you. God has goodness stored up for you and I, especially for those who fear him, who know that he really is God. And what he says should be heeded. And, you know, he has goodness stored up for us. But he says, by the way, I bestow it. I pour it out on those of you who take refuge in me. If you've got hard things going on relationally, financially, physically, mentally, emotionally, you know what you can do? I'd encourage you to take this promise to God and say, God, I'm going to take refuge in you. By the way, you promise that while I'm taking refuge... Refuge defense is generally a thing where like you just kind of hunker down and try to survive. But this promise is kind of like a defense. You've heard the old saying, you know, good offense wins games. Good defense wins championships, right? Um, This is a way where you can be defensive and yet on the offensive at the same time. And time and time again, I've claimed this. Lord, I'm taking refuge. This is a really hard situation. Well, there's accusations there. Finances are tight here. I take refuge. Lord, you promise. I'm going to bestow my goodness on the side of men on you. And Lord, I want to claim this promise right now. And I've done that time and time again. And I encourage you, you get in hard situations, take this promise to the bank. Take this to God and say, God, you said this. And I want to believe you on that. And that's a way we can express faith as it relates to defense here. Again, the key to faith, the key to, the key to defense. Sorry, I'm saying this out of place. The key to defense is It's not Wade Phillips. It's not Von Miller. It's not DeMarcus Ware. I think that's his name. The key to faith is, the key to defense is faith. We've got to all be applying it. Last thing we're going to look at here is, um, I'd say it's special teams. This point has nothing to do with special teams. You might say it has to do with special giving. Third way we can express faith during this campaign, especially during this campaign, is we can express faith through giving. Faith through giving. And we're going to look at two types of giving here this morning. Two promises related to two types of giving. And there's, you know, these are churchy words. You might not have heard these words before if you're not, uh, you know, the churchy type or whatever. I had not heard these words before I started going to church. And even then, I didn't hear about them until they were taught. Um, One is tithes. In tithes and offerings. Two ways you can give. Tithe, it comes from a word in the Old Testament that literally means tenth. Giving a tenth. An offering, as, as I understand the scriptures, as I've been taught, as I pass on to others, an offering is anything beyond your tithe. A tithe is a tenth. 
And an offering is anything beyond that. So we're going to look at a few verses related to giving, expressing faith through giving here. And one of them Pat Sokol hit on last week, and it's from Malachi. Malachi, you know, the idea of tithing, it starts way back in Genesis. It starts with Abraham. He gave an example of giving a tenth after he received a plunder from a war. There's examples of Isaac and Jacob giving a tenth. Later it moves into the the times of Moses and recorded in in the Old Testament law um, in Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. You see the idea of giving a tenth, giving a tithe. There's places that talks about it in the Proverbs and in the prophets. And in the New Testament, Jesus even validates. He brings this concept from the Old Testament into the New, Matthew 23, 23. The Apostle Paul talks about it in the letters in the New Testament as well. But, you know, I want to look at just one passage related to the tithe, to honoring God with the tithe, and it's this in Malachi. God spoke through the prophet Malachi, and he said this. It's a very encouraging and very challenging passage, and I want to look at a few points related to it. But it says this, um, really God speaking through Malachi here. He says, but will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, what? How do we rob you? In tithes and offerings, you're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. And those are very, very strong words. But, you know, the idea of a tithe is, is a way that God, given it, all the money that we have is from God. I love how Pat Sokol said it last week. You know, God stores all of his resources, all of his money is stored where? In your pockets and mine. He could have said, I have some fortress somewhere where all the treasures of the world are stored and those are God's. God stores all of his resources in your hands and mine. And yet, you know, the only thing he asks is a way to show honor to him related to that is is a tenth. It's enough to where you fill it if you're working on a budget. And yet it's enough to where 90% is pretty generous to live off of. God could have said, hey, by the way, I'm a really holy God and 99% of it's mine, you Human beings, 1%, you can live off, figure it out. He said, no, 10%. 10% is the example that was set from old and to new as a way to honor God. But he says this, hey, and I would share this with you if you're a Christian, uh, especially if you're not a Christian, you're trying to figure it out, there's, there's some things I hope that would encourage you and challenge you from this, some things that you could even apply faith to, not even being a follower of God yet. But especially if you are a Christian, you know... Um, and you don't tithe, I, I want to encourage you with a step of faith in this. Come out from under the curse of robbing God. This terminology is extremely strong, but guess what? I didn't think it up. This is God's words. God says there's a curse associated to robbing him of the honor that comes to him through your tithe, through what he gives you. I encourage you, a step of faith. Come out from under that curse. If you've never done that before. Another way you could take a step of faith, he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. You know, from the Old Testament to New, the idea was when you brought your tithe, the tithe goes to God. It's the Lord's. But he, uh, you know, practically worked it out that you bring it to your house of worship. It provides for the activities of your house of worship. Again, validated in the New Testament through Paul's letters and the Corinthians there and, and in Timothy. But, um, 
But he says, bring the whole tithe in. Now, some people, you, you hear, hear about this. I know the first time I heard of tithe, I was from a church background where they passed the plate. And when they passed the plate, people stuck in checks and money. And for me, when I saw the plate go by, someone put a $20 bill. And I was like, whoa, someone put a 20 in the plate, you know? And, and you know, as a kid, you're kind of thinking, eh, do I grab that as it goes by? Um, but, you know, when I started hearing about this, I, I became a Christian. I started wanting to follow God and, and follow Jesus and do what the scripture said. And someone said, hey, do you tithe? One of my pastors was talking. I was like, tithe? I don't even know what that means. He's like, you know, it's giving a tenth of your income. And I was like, what? Um, um, a tenth of my income. I was a single guy working for Hewlett Packard as a software engineer. A tenth of my income, and this was 20 years ago, uh, you know, it was like 400 bucks. And I remember I started tithing. And that's not a $20 bill. Do the math. That's 20 $20 bills. And, you know, I wanted to give in such a way that, uh, you know, this is kind of between me and God. And so I gave in cash. And uh, I always put my cash in the envelope. It was a lot of $20 bills. Whoever was counting the money was probably like, who is this Yahoo that keeps giving us cash here, laundering money through our church? Um, but, uh, you know, some people say, what about the tax deduction? Yeah, that would have been a great idea. I didn't think about it at the time. Um, they, they can't give you a deduction if they don't know who you are. Um, but, but I just wanted to honor God. He'd given me this money. He'd given me this new life. I'll, I'll try this tithing in out, out. And, and from there, you know, uh, I eventually left my job at Hewlett Packard and went on to, to raise support, they call it, where you ask people for monthly gifts uh, to support my work that I was doing at Colorado State through the church there. And my entire income came through people who gave offerings beyond their tithe to help me reach out to students uh, in a world where college students don't have the money, you know, to help you out in doing that as well. But um, ever since I started tithing, God has taken care of my needs. And there's been seasons of, of kind of feast and famine and things like that, but I've always been for, provided for when tithing. And, you know, uh, some of you, this, this, maybe you've tithed on and off. I remember talking to a guy just last week, and I said, you tithe? Yeah, I've been tithing. You know, except when I forget, except when I don't, except when finances are tight. You know, that's not tithing. He said, bring the whole tithe in. And sometimes we can be casual tithers. You know, I tithe when it's convenient. You know, it translates, if you use God's vocabulary again, it's like, yeah, I honor God with my tithe, except when I feel like robbing him, and don't do that. It's not as fun that way, is it? But I encourage you, maybe you've been a casual tither. Maybe it's time to become a faithful tither, being in the habit of giving a tenth of your income. You know, a Proverbs... 3, 9, and 10, it just says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. Your vats will brim over with new wine. But there, it's, it's about honoring God with all that he gives you. It's a way to show honor. And so, uh, again, if you've been a point here, occasional tither, I encourage you to become a faithful tither. Last thing, uh, there's that verse there. And last thing I would share, well, maybe you've been a faithful tither. There's a, another part of this verse. It goes on to say, Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing on you that you will not have enough room for it. You know, there's a curse, and there's robbing God, and there's the whole tithe. But this is kind of a, another level of faith here, I believe, and it's test me in this, he says. I remember uh, my kids heard this verse recently. I think Pat Sokol mentioned it in one of the meetings here. And they're like, wow. God, I, don't, I mean, they're talking to me. They're like, hey, I don't think we should test God. That just doesn't sound right. You know, um, and uh, sometimes I think we can be the same way. You're not supposed to test God. 
Well, this is what he has to say. God says, hey, by the way, you test me in all sorts of things all the time, by the way. Um, but I want you to test me in this with your tithe and your offerings. Test me and see if I do not do this. And so I encourage you, maybe you've been a faithful tither. I know for me, I faithfully gave my tithe for years before I was involved in ministry, before I was on staff with the church. And uh, I did it faithfully. As a matter of fact, I could do it fairly routinely. I could do it in such a way that I go, you know, I don't even think about that money. Here's the money I have to work with. But to do it in faith and testing God. Last year, I was just listening online uh, to a message I did one year ago. One year ago, October, related to tithes and offerings. We teach on it. We've been encouraged to teach on this once a year at least. Um, Others would say you should teach on it more frequently because Jesus did. And the Bible addresses this subject more frequently. But I remember teaching on it going, you know what? God, I've never tested you in this. I don't remember specifically testing in you in this. And so when my wife and I wrote our tithe check... A year ago in October, we prayed together and said, Lord, we're going to test you in this. You promise you're going to pour out so much blessing on us, we won't have room for it. You know, and over the the months, we started going, okay, God, we're going to test you. I didn't even know what that's supposed to look like. I, I, I can't even translate that. Are we talking gold here? Are we talking abundant joy? I, I don't know what to be even looking for, but I began praying, God, we're, we're testing you in this. And we began to test God. And I just want to tell you a little story on that. Again, if you've been a faithful tither, here's a story of maybe why you, you could become a faith-filled tester. You know what happened? We, we tithe in the month of October and we said, God, we're going to test you in this. And um, guess what happened the following month, the month of November? Any guesses? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. You're right. Okay. Um, And guess what happened the following month, December? Lord, we're going to test you in this. We're looking to you to keep your promise. You know, um, guess what happened in December? Anyone? Nothing. Nothing again. Actually, it was a little worse than nothing. In in December, we we, uh, were looking through our our budget as a church and as pastors. And, you know, um, we've gone through the Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University. And I was encouraged to make a budget related to some of the categories that he says are good categories. Things like, um, I think he calls one of the categories savings. Um, And uh, another one, transportation, like where you actually plan ahead for your transportation needs. And so I came up with this budget that had some categories that I don't normally have as a part of my budget, and, um, and I proposed it, and gave it, you know, we looked at it at a pastor's meeting, and we kind of looked it over and said, yeah, this looks pretty good. By the time we were done, we said, and no, we can't give you that. We don't have enough money in the church right now to do that. And so, Lord, I'm looking for the blessing to be poured out. Can't you at least give me a raise? Denied, you know, didn't happen. So we, we kept plugging away. God, we're testing you in this. But some of you might know that um, about that same timetable, we, we spent the summer, not this summer, the, the previous summer, exploring three locations for our church. And we explored the, the north and the south and even a Saturday night thing here. And by the time we were done, after exploring all that, it seemed like, you know, it seems like God would have us to do something on the south side of town here. And my wife and I began commuting that November down south for our small group. We transitioned out of our small group, began driving down. 50 minutes to an hour to our small group down there. And we did that for several months. And as we were praying about it as pastors, it seemed like God was leading us to launch two locations, two services starting at Easter. And, you know, we were working on our plans on that. Eventually, we got to the point where we were praying, um, you know, Lord, 
to help spearhead that, uh, we, we probably need to get our feet on the ground down there and started thinking about, well, selling our house and, and buying one down there so we can open up our home and use it as a kind of a headquarters to have people coming and going and build a kingdom down there. And, you know, we, we had our grand opening, two services, Palm Sunday, Easter. We put our house on the market uh, the following week. And, you know, we didn't know what to expect. We had bought our house on foreclosure. It was a little bit beat up, but the market was good. And by the time we were done, the opening weekend that our house was on the market, um, uh, dozens of people had come through and viewed it. And and we had a plan with our our realtor that uh, that Sunday, we're just going to review the offers and and see what we did. And, you know, as as it happened... uh, a bidding war happened on our house, and people were trying to make sure they could bid the highest so they could get it. Um, I remember reading a verse that Saturday from Joshua chapter 3, but it just said, um, it said, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And I was like, Lord, are you talking to me? Are you talking to us here? The next day, we ended up accepting an offer on our house that was $40,000 higher than our asking price. And our asking price was, was pretty decent appreciation. Uh, of that house. And so, you know, the same market's tough to buy, and we were looking for a house to buy down there. And we looked at a number of houses and eventually found one that looked like a good deal. And we checked it out, and we thought we, we liked it, and, and we ended up putting an offer in, and, and it got accepted, and it did not get in a bidding war. And we think it was a really good price for what we got. Later, when we were closing on the house, the, the lady that we bought it from said, hey, by the way, there were a number of offers that came in. And she said, I, I chose you because... Um, I saw your family when you guys looked at the house, and I thought it'd be a good fit for you. And uh, it was just a real blessing there. But at the end of the day, we kind of looked at uh, what had happened. And, and we bought our house three and a half years ago on foreclosure. The, the market went bonkers around here. The house appreciated. We sold it um, for more than twice what we bought it for. And, and we were able to, to put a down payment on the house, and we had to do some remodeling there and stuff. But by the time the dust settled, you know, and we're looking back on this story, I started going, Lord, you know, we, we were testing you in this, and we've been waiting to see what is it going to look like when you pour out a blessing on us that we don't even have enough room for. You know what? He's answered that question for me and what that would look like. And it's been unbelievable. And I've never seen God do anything like that in our lives before. And I've never tested God like that before related to giving. And I share that story with you because we're, we're doing a giving campaign here. And, and that's applying faith to the promise-related to tithing here. But you know, this giving campaign is actually, um, it's about giving beyond a tithe. And if you haven't been tithing, I encourage you, again, if you've been under the curse, stop, stop, start tithing. And if you've been tithing casually, I encourage you to be a faithful tither. And if you've been a faithful tither, maybe this time around, why don't you try being a faith-filled tester? But this campaign is related to offerings. Offerings are that which are beyond the tithe. And so um, we're going to look at a couple things. I do want to make the point of this that I've been able to experience this, and I want to tell you this from my own experience and from God's word. God faithfully and graciously keeps his promises relating to giving. He faithfully does it. He, he says it and he follows through. He keeps his word. And he does it graciously. He does it beyond what we deserve. Uh, he, he does it far beyond what we deserve. And that's true of his promises related to tithes and offerings. As a matter of fact, it's true of all God's promises. He's faithful to what he says he'll do, whether it's eternal life, whether it's financial needs. Um, and he's gracious enough to do it. He loves us. He's powerful enough to do it. He's sovereign enough to do it. You and I need to know related to all his promises, God is faithful 
and gracious enough to keep his word. And we're going to look at a couple promises here to close um, that relate to giving even beyond a tithe. Uh, there's this passage here in 2 Corinthians that talks about the church in, in Macedonia. And it says this, that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. And they did not do as we expected. They gave themselves first to the Lord. You know, a tithe, it's the Lord's. It says they, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. These guys in Macedonia, they gave, the rest of the passage talks about, they had poverty going on in their world, and yet it welled up in, in generosity. And uh, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. And they gave to the Lord first, and then they gave an offering. You know, and, and that's an amazing example of what we're talking about here. And it goes on in the next chapter to give us a number of promises here. Um, again, this Thrive campaign is faith-filled giving beyond a tithe. See we got here. Here's a, here's a blank you can fill out. Here's something you and I need to know about our giving is that God blesses a generous giver generously. It may seem like a repeat of words because it is, um, but this verse here says, "Remember this." This was written almost two thousand years ago. It's probably good for us to review this today. But remember this: whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. God blesses generous giving. He blesses it generously. And you can, you know, I'd say you can test him in that. Uh, the idea of testing him is really kind of the same thing as claiming a promise. God, you said this. You, know, you want to do it humbly, but confidently. And would you, what does keeping your word on, on your side look like here? I'm going to test you. I'm going to Try this. I'm going to claim this promise. Testing, really the only passage I know about testing relates to that tithing one. But you can claim God's promises. You can bring them back to him and say, here's what you said. Uh, I don't deserve that you said this, but you did. And and let's see what you meant by that. Another thing we need to know, you know, a generous man will prosper. Again, God blesses generous giving. Another verse says this, you know, a point, a thing we can all know about giving. God blesses sacrificial giving supernaturally. This verse here, Jesus said, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured out in your lap. By the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You know, I think about some sort of economics curve on this one, with, you know, kind of the X and Y graph, but as, as the sacrifice goes up on this axis here, the blessing on this one goes up as well. I think about some sort of, whether it's an exponential curve or just some sort of curve, the greater the sacrifice, the greater the blessing that will be measured back to you. Jesus said it right there. He's alluding to the idea, hey, you gave and you got something in return that was pressed down, shaken together, rolling over, poured into your lap. You're sacrificial. Sacrificial giving, God blesses that supernaturally. We need to know that. Last one here is, God blesses faith-filled giving, you know, eternally. Think about the story of the woman who poured out an expensive bottle of perfume, one year of wages. You know, I don't know what your wages are in a year, but uh, imagine having this amount. Maybe it's your entire savings account. Maybe it's one year of wages, and you know, you, you give it to Jesus as a way to worship him. That's what this woman did. You know, it's faith in that's going, well, that, that was my savings account. That was my, my dowry, I guess, in that case. Um, and to give something that you go, well, I don't know how, you know, that was actually what I was planning on for the future. 
There's a type of giving that all giving in some ways takes faith to give a tithe, to give any offering. But when you give in a way that is beyond how you see God's going to provide for you, God blesses that eternally. And in this case, he said, by the way, anywhere the gospel goes out, your story is going to be told. Such a blessing on that. Uh, Another place, you know, Paul said uh, in another situation where others were giving an offering and really to help him out with the gospel, he said, you know, not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. You know, when you give something financially to God, um, that whether you get anything in return financially or not, you know, that's between God and you. But when you give, um, there's a way that God tracks it. God, you know, at one place he said, go and sell and give to the poor and you'll have treasures in heaven. Somehow when you, you give in a faith-filled way, in a way that takes faith and it, it's to honor God, God, God takes track. He, he tracks that. He has a, a, an account that someday you will walk into an account that you paid into while you were here. You know, I think it's John Wesley that said, when you die, you can't take anything with you, but you can send it on ahead. And this is one way you can express faith to send things on ahead. And, um, you know, and that's, again, at the heart of this Thrive campaign, there's a financial goal we're aiming for. We've calculated some expenses related to launching a Southside church, related to um, some kingdom opportunities here in the Highlands neighborhood, some salary things, potentially in the Highlands, you know, the idea of even trying to add uh, maybe some part-time staff to help out. But the goal we're aiming for is $10,000 a month made up through monthly pledges or through one-time gifts. And, um, you know, we, uh, the region, our, our region of churches has said, you know, we're going to match you to some degree. You know, I joked one time that they're, they're willing to match us up to a million dollars if we could raise it. Well, they're not willing to match us up that high. They're, they're reviewing how much they're willing to match us up to. But uh, our goal is to have $10,000 a month provided for two years so that we can launch this church. And there's a really good... Uh, you can talk to Greg Miller. He's got a really good graphic on kind of how, if you look at these different buckets and how by the time the dust settles, the hope would be that we have two situations, two congregations that are, through their own giving, providing, and things are overflowing beyond that into uh, other opportunities and into uh, savings and things like that. And so, anyways, um, I just want to close with this, um, this form here. Did you guys get, did this get passed out, Greg? So if you have one of these, you know, I just want to encourage you to take this with you. This is our pledge form for the Thrive Campaign. And we're asking that, um, that all leaders that uh, you've been a part either of the leadership meeting that we did last week or, or you're a ministry leader, small group leader type, aspiring leader. We're just asking that leaders would pray about this and bring it back next week. We're going to collect um, pledges next Sunday morning from leaders. And then the following Sunday, we're going to collect pledge cards from, from the rest of the church. And we're just going to, you know, um, ask people to look at this. You know, it has different categories. You know, the idea of generous, uh, you're giving something, maybe you have, came in as some money that you can give some extra from. Or sacrificial would be the idea, you're looking at your budget and you go, I don't have any extra money, but I can stop doing this and, and I can add something here for this campaign. Faith-filled might be where you pledge a number that you're not sure how you're going to reach, but you get a sense God would want you to do that. Now, now, if you're not tithing and you've never given before, you, you might not want to make your faith number that big because it probably won't follow through on it, honestly. But um, God might put a number on your heart. As you look through this, you go, well, I want to give a one-time gift here related to this generous category. 
And I want to give a monthly amount related to sacrificial. And maybe God puts it on your heart to, to give a faith-filled uh, one-time gift as well. But we're asking every one of you to pray about it. Pat Sokol put it like this. He just said, get, get along with God and say, Lord, what would you have me to give? And whatever it is, write it down. And then in faith, give that. And see how God responds to your faith-filled giving. And that's, that's what we're asking for the next couple of weeks here related to the Thrive campaign. And then we're going to kind of share the totals that come in. We're going to have a celebration. We're going to have a, a send-off to launch um, the South location as well. And I'm excited to see what God's going to do. I have a story from testing God, one of God's promises last year. And, and I want to invite you all to join me in testing God claiming God's promises this year and see how he would respond to us. And Pat Sokol, who's done a number of these campaigns, said, you know what's really exciting is that, you know, they've done one where they, they bought land when they're out in a church in Iowa, and then they did a campaign to build a building on the land. But he said, when you do campaigns like this, what you get is an accumulation of people who have stories of faith that God blesses in amazing ways. And that kind of feeds on itself because the next time you do it, you go, oh yeah, you should tell your story and you should tell yours. And, and it's just, faith is contagious like that. And, and anyways, I, I invite you to join me and, and the other pastors and leaders in, in praying and asking God, what do you want me to do? Some combination of this or that or just have ears to listen and ask him for the faith to obey. And let's go ahead and pray and we will get on with our day here. Well, Lord Jesus, I just thank you again for this morning. Lord, I thank you for leading us into this campaign. We've never done anything of this magnitude before. And we just ask that you would uh, help us, Lord. Help us to have faith. Help us to have ears to hear from you, for starters. And help us have the faith we need to obey. God, I do pray you'd help us take steps of faith uh, related to getting the gospel out and related to having our shield up for defense. And, And Lord... We ask for faith related to take steps of giving that you want us to do. You know what you've given each one of us and give us faith to to honor you with that and to trust you with that. And God, I pray that you'd bring us to a place as a, a church and you'd bring us to a place as disciples who are thriving and living the supernatural life you've called us to. We ask all of this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.